Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remembered that old saying, power corrupts. everyone and welcome to second officer slog uh i am jackson tyler your host for today i'm joined by m hello hello hi hi this is the weekly the i tried to say this and these but you know you know we don't edit these right yes i do everyone loves it i'm endearing this is what i've been told no that's Uh, fair uh this and these is at oh the fucking weekly discovery episodes we have watched this week's star trek discovery we're going to talk about it we used to do an ironic section where you watch the orville but you're free i still have not watched the orville you still have not watched the orville you missed a week and you're out i watched a really good episode of ds9 where o'brien was like the manchurian candidate as a clone and then he watched himself die. It was really good. <laughs> Space Nine is a phenomenal television show. If you, if you enjoy Discovery, yeah. go back and watch Deep Space Nine. I mean, go back oh, and watch TNG. You know I have to listen to fucking people on my feed every week talk about how D- Discovery isn't as good as Deep Space Nine. Because I, I know some people who are D- Deep Space Nine stands in a way I will never understand. I, th- I mean, the thing that annoys you about that like take as a genre of take, I guess, is that it like purports that ds9 is the true and superior trek because it tears the other things down and not that it's just another good one yes and it does tear the other things down but it needs those other things to exist with it and for it yes uh it is it's good but tng is better it's a better show <laughs> it's a much better show i'm sorry it just is uh like i yeah i understand the opinion i there are times i would much rather watch ds9 it's a fantastic television show what it does is amazing but tng there's a reason it's the one yeah <laughs> so yeah. discovery this Dis- week's episode is called choose uh, your pain <laughs> yes it is called uh what's that again choose your pain it's called section 31 choose your pain <laughs> no it is more like choose your pain because That's- you're talking mm. through fake teeth <sighs> yes <laughs> <laughs> Klingon voices are weird in this uh, show. Uh, Laurel and Vok are really good, uh, and the uh, the captain of this ship was really good. Everyone else. Oh, is that Laurel? That is Laurel. That's, That's what I was going to say. I was like, that was Laurel. Yep. I'm fairly no. sure it was Laurel. Yes, 100%. Because, uh, hmm, that, that, yes, that asks know. Know. a very big question about what she's been doing for a month. Yes, <laughs> it does ask a big question. Yes. Yes, it sure does. Um, uh... Let me look up uh, what this episode. Wait, that doesn't make any. Yeah, we'll I know. get into it. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, had the, I, I watched the episode and then I had that thought and then you know. Uh, just uh, in case you are not watching this uh, this week, this episode aired fifteenth of October, twenty seventeen. It had a teleplay by Kemp Powers, story by Gretchen J Berg, Aaron Herberts, and Kemp Powers, and was directed by Lee Rose. It takes place in December, twenty two fifty six. These are not, the details. Not Gretchen Elberg, who is from the Mirror Universe. <laughs> yeah, well, have you said Gretchen Elberg like five times already? That was last episode where okay. the Schnellberg thing happened. Yes, I remember now. It just feels like it was a lifetime ago because weeks. <laughs> oh, these weeks have felt so long. It feels like Discovery's been airing for ages. Yes. 
so uh we'll do a quick recap of this episode do you want to take that yes i will take that in fact it's honest <laughs> as if we like agreed upon a... the fact that you would host and i would do the recap <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like oh what if i do this naturally but then realize i couldn't get away with that i would have to be minorly roasted so captain Lorca is being interrogated by admirals of starfleet uh and being told to stand down from using the spore drive to get around and get stuff done because maybe the Klingons are going to catch on. And also they're having trouble figuring out how to make that drive go on other ships because you need a tardigrade and they only have one. Um, on his way back, he is intercepted by a Klingon warship that takes him captive. Uh, and he's put in the brig with one Harcourt Fenton Mud from the original series and a uh, Starfleet POW named Ash Tyler. Um there they are being tortured by klingons for information there's a lot of dramatics things are revealed about Lorca that we will talk about in fact like what happened to him before he was captain of discovery um why is why are his eyes injured things like that um meanwhile on the discovery acting captain saru is being tasked with finding Lorca and getting him back because they need him uh saru is having a hard time being a captain and meanwhile uh michael burnham is like hey this tardigrade is a living thing. We probably shouldn't enslave it and torture it to make our ship go. We need to figure out a different way. What? Saru's not, not having it. There's a bunch of discussions. Burnham basically gets everyone else on her side except Saru. Um, but Saru is acting captain, so Saru puts his foot down, and thus the tardigrade must be used. Uh, the tardigrade is used, stranding them in Klingon space as it shrivels up into its, like, waterless tardigrade survival state. Uh, meanwhile, uh... Paul Stamets decides to use tardigrade DNA to splice it into his own body to allow the, him to direct the ship, uh, because he always wanted to commune with his mushrooms. <laughs> he communes with his mushrooms. It happened. It uh, this happens just in time to intercept Captain Lorca and Ash Tyler, who escaped the Klingon facility, uh, that is apparently being run by Laurel. We'll get into that. Uh, and they're being back on board. The ship escapes back to Federation space. Uh, Paul Stamets seems to be okay, even though he injected himself with that DNA and then was, like, pierced by the weird machine that the Glenn had built to interface with the Tardigrade. Um, he's being checked out by the Doctor, who is his boyfriend. Uh, it's very cute. And then they're going to bed, and they walk away from the bathroom mirror, and in the reflection is Paul Stamets, smiling into the mirror. Yes. The I wonder end. what that could imply. I wonder what that could imply. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, what does a mirror mean in Star Trek? That's not rife with significance. I don't. I couldn't possibly know any uh, you know, revealed like, news. The about mechanics, the, show. the mechanics in which that might like actually have happened, are very mysterious to me. To be fair, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, this episode is the probably the weakest episode so far, but in a nice like. Oh, it's just an episode of Star Trek way. There's a lot of like good character stuff though. Yeah, like you get acting captains, but it's like uh, every single one of the previous episodes in like was crucial when setting up the show you have the big movie that launches it you have this big episode that introduces the discovery and gets um burnham on board and then you have the episode where the actual status quo of burnham being on the discovery is, is established as like a mold and this is the first like okay we have an episode of television here we've got our ship we've got our captain we have a thing that happens yep. um and it was it was nice i like that i like that approach which definitely meant it was less impactful but it was a good it was a good hour of television Yes. The most important thing here. Cadet Tilly says fuck. <laughs> Cadet Tilly says a fuck. <laughs> they, they are 
in maybe the be- <laughs> they still would explain the science so of yeah the last there's, there's, there's like a five minute scene that is just uh burnham tilly and stamets basically laying out exactly how this drive works because it's time for star trek to explain the science behind their magic science and someone walked into the writer's room like okay we need to know how this works because the nerds are going to be angry and then uh tilly goes you guys this is so fucking cool she's so excited and then she apologizes and stamets replies no it is fucking cool (laughs) because it is it is is fucking cool but lily is so pure and then stamets turns to her like yeah it is fucking cool and he is the lamest man who has ever lived (laughs) oh i love stamets me and stamets would have been like best friends at a certain point in my life me too but you cannot deny that he is not the lamest man who ever lived no of course i mean he is uh he's so good i love that he is here uh I I I like Anthony Rapp. Like I'm still the person who will stand for parts of Rent in 2017, and mm-hmm. uh, he's great. That's that's my. I assume he has done other things between Rent and Star Trek Discovery, but this yeah, is like, what I know him from, such as Rent, <laughs> the Rent the film, <laughs> yep, uh, which no one will stand for. Uh, so that was my introduction to. This is a little outside, but whatever. This that was my introduction to Rent. So I have a, a soft spot for it, okay. even though I've seen the show twice since then. Like the show is much better. Obviously, that movie is bad, but because it was my first exposure to it, I have affection for it. The mm. fact that everyone is like fifteen years too old to be playing all the characters they're playing is maybe the secret part of that saves Rent from the the movie from not being like the worst thing in the world. It's pretty funny because every every part about it is just like old people trying to recapture a thing that doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> 2004 yeah chris columbus chris columbus god (laughs) (laughs) Uh, also classic tilly moments is this episode begins with uh her like going up to burn i'm like we're gonna have lunch it's gonna happen this episode begins with her snoring loudly in their room (laughs) right fuck this episode is heavy on the tilly burnham ship content yes yes it is like burnham wakes up and then it pans over to tilly who's like Yep. I feel like she should go see the doctor. Like, that's not... She could probably get that fixed. I mean, it's... She... Why would she? Like, she hasn't slept in, like... Snoring snoring can be bad for you. It can. But it can also just be normal. It can be normal. I'm just saying, as someone who has sleep apnea, she should make sure. Be careful. Oh, for sure. But, uh, she has, like, she doesn't really have much many roommates. Yep. Why? Who would notice? But yeah, then she sits with her in the cafeteria and is like, I'm gonna be your friend. We're gonna be friends. And is it's pretty good. It's very awkward. Um, I love how Burnham isn't like pissed off with her. She's just as kind of confused, but she loves Tilly. Everyone loves Tilly. I mean, after several episodes of being basically like traumatized and dealing with it, Burnham is very like back on her bullshit this episode. Oh, extremely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like uh tilly is like a way for burnham to actually because she's not a person who's going to like talk about her problems ever unless you put this other person in front of her who's going to force her to as the least awkward way through a conversation yep so yeah um jackson tell me about acting captain saru (laughs) acting captain saru is amazing this episode uh after that like the the plot is established and um (laughs) 
Lorca gets kidnapped with the single most disposable character in Star Trek, who is the p- shuttle, the shuttle pilot that is escorting Lorca back to the Discovery when he gets kidnapped. Yeah, lasts about thirty six seconds maximum. Yeah, Lorca, gra- Lorca grabs two rifles, tosses one to that guy, Klingons burst in and stab that other guy immediately. <laughs> oh, rip him! Yeah, no. Uh, Sarah was placed in charge, which uh oh, uh oh. Uh, and he uh, walks in. Oh, he has an he has an argument with um uh, with Burnham first. As Burnham basically is, uh, look, we that are- is not the first thing he does, Jackson. What is the first? Th- I'm forgetting the exact order, but you know what? The I'm first thing he does is queries the ship's computer. No, he, that is after the argument. With oh, Burnham. is it? Okay, that's that's right. why I corrected myself. Okay, because it's the argument with Burnham that causes him to. Okay, good, good, good. Go back in there, because he so like Burnham comes up to him and is like. Uh, we can't jump. We absolutely cannot jump. We're going to kill that thing. It is cruel. It is wrong. Uh, this is a bad idea. And then Sarah's like, one, th- ha- using that was your idea in the first place. Yep. Which he's not wrong. <laughs> uh, two, I'm acting captain of a ship that doesn't have its real captain who has been captured. And we, ha- we have a teleportation option. If I have to sacrifice a thing, I will make the pragmatic decision. I don't like doing that, but someone has to. Poor Sarah. Uh, no. And so he's very nervous uh, and walks into his captain's room. Or to, no, it's to um, it, Lorca's it's in, ca- into Lorca's room because they sit at his standing desk. <laughs> yeah, no, he he gets a tall chair and he sits in it. It's great. Oh, it's so good. We we made a side effect of making a standing desk for a normal person <laughs> is we have a good sized sitting table for Saru. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Because he's so huge in the in the bridge chair, but now he goes up to the computer and brings up a list of Starfleet's most decorated captains and asks the computer to like compare his performance to those and basically go, "Is Burnham being here affecting my judgment too much?" Because like, there is an unstable element and I can't remove it, and it is going to affect my performance. I need the computer to tell me if I'm doing okay. Uh, and the captains that come up on the screen, do you have the screen there or? No, but it's Robert Abril. It, yes, uh, Robert Abril. It is uh, Jonathan Archer. It yes. is Christopher Pike. It is yes. uh, Philippa Georgiou and Matthew Decker. Matthew Decker, yes. I have named all five off the top of my head. Good job, that is, me. That is it, yes. Those are those are the lists. All of them have been seen before. Uh, obviously, we both most marked out for Archer. Uh, you know, I. yes, I suppose. We'll <laughs> Come see. on. So the thing, um, like, while I will always mark out for an Enterprise reference, I feel like using Archer as a name drop has been ruined by uh, Enter- or Star Trek 09, where they're like, you transported up uh, Admiral Archer's dog or whatever. Uh, is a throwaway uh, That's line non-canon that. now, I've decided. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's that's true. Un- it's under, I put it in the basket with K-R-O-N-O-S Kronos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, the Kelvin verse is full of bullshit. Oh, I I understand why that would ruin Archer references forever. Because God, it's bad. The fucking yep. dog shows up at the end of the movie. Oh, God damn it! All the, the tangents. Yep. Um, but that is a very cool reference because you get a bunch of uh deep lore bullshit. It is very nice whenever this show like reminds you that no, this is incredibly Star Trek. Stop saying it's not. Fuck off, people. But where's like where's like Captain T'Pol? Like I want the deep cuts. That's true. I that's that is fair. I I want people who have not been seen to be captains, but are captains, definitely yeah. captains. <laughs> yeah. T'Pol was a captain at some point. But also, you know she's gonna end up being a captain, right? Like, come on. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like there's no way. Yeah. 
She could still be she could still be a captain. Yep. Where is Captain's Pull? Uh make make the Enterprise novels canon and put Captain uh Charles Tucker the third in there. <laughs> yep. God. God. Oh, he made that list and then Trip came up as one of the most decorated captains. Uh, that would be great because it would it would just make all of... We can't... I don't want to talk about this because maybe people are going to watch Enterprise. But uh, that that ends up conflicting with some stuff we know about the Enterprise world in the show. But the books also tried to go out of their way to contradict it. So, yeah. We'll get to that when we cover Enterprise someday. The, the, the infamous final episode of Enterprise has been retconned by fans and books. And presumably, if any show builds in it, we'll also do that. Like, there's no way it won't. Because everyone hates yeah. it. And the people who write <laughs> so it, who wrote it and made bad. it said it was a mistake. Yep. Um, but yeah, so the, uh, the main thrust of the episodes are uh, the discussions on the Klingon ship between Mud, Lorca, and Ash Tyler? Ash Tyler, yes. Ash Tyler, Doctor Who ass fucking name right there. Yep. Um, and uh, the dual plots on the ship of Saru trying to find Lorca and um, Burnham ignoring Saru's instructions and trying to save the Tardic Raid while in the middle of this incredibly stressful situation. Yep. Uh, the episode, like, the actual very first thing that happens is a really unsettling dream sequence of her, like, being in the spore box like the tardic raid and basically clearly being uh scared for it yes the um the like um god what's his name the guy who left the guy who left the show the showrunner what's his name oh brian fuller yes while brian fuller is no longer attached to the show the fact that the two showrunners are longtime brian fuller collaborators are all over this because this sh- this episode begins and ends basically like any episode of hannibal uh <laughs> Yes, it. I haven't even seen that much Hannibal, but yes, I've seen enough Hannibal clips and know how true that is. Yep. Just and like the thing that is great about that opening dream sequence isn't the big oh I'm in the thing and I'm screaming. It's the full minute of really unsettling, just panning shots of the empty sets that yep. go on. Like it just pans through the empty ships, uh, which is fantastic. Because anytime you're just going to give me more corridors, I'm into that. Yeah. No, for sure um but uh what were we what were we actually on about oh so burnham going to uh dr hugh culber uh to like hey this tardigrades may be hurting and hugh culber is like well okay like you you're the one who's like let's use this so let's do the science and figure out whether or not it's real or not maybe we can actually save it and then convincing him and then they both go to stamets try to convince him and culber like pulls like the like I'm going to undermine my boyfriend card just enough th- to get under his skin, but not enough to overstep and then leaves immediately. <laughs> yeah, he like, so they, they come to him and like, uh, we think we have medical proof that the Tardic Raid is being uh, like hurt by this. Also look at it. Um, and we th- recommend that we should look for alternative ways. And then Samus is like, we'll, uh, we're in the middle of like a very di- difficult situation. There's not much I can actually do about this. And then he just goes, that's true. Goodbye. <laughs> But then Stamets like, well, okay, if you want to do the work, we'll do the work. Like, it's it's important to do proper science. And so he does the science with Burnham to figure it out. And then they both go to Saru. And, like, Burnham, like, climbing her way up the chain of command to get the evidence she needs is really good. It's it's very good. I like, I love that scene with, um, 
uh, Burnham and Stamets because it's played at first like Stamets uh, is being shitty and Burnham sticking it to this like unfair Starfleet person who won't trust our ideas but instead it's like no you keep coming up to people and going oh this thing that we thought was right is actually wrong even if it was your idea in the first place yeah. uh, and it's pissing us all off can you actually help make things better and stop like we're not we want to work with you but you have to do that in a uh, certain way it can't just be doing it on your own and yeah. overpowering everyone else and her like stepping back and going into actual like that scene with them all standing around explaining the science is basically a meeting room scene yeah so we loved it <laughs> yeah no it's great uh but yeah then uh saru pulls rank being very ill-equipped to be captain i like that our whole like saru's gonna one day totally get owned immediately happens in episode five <laughs> Immediately, literally immediately, and not even like by Lorca, just by himself. <laughs> yeah, no, he is just incapable of being in command of a starship. Uh, and like, he, the thing is, he knows, like, the reason he's bad is not because he's bad at making the choices, it's that he doesn't believe he's capable of making the choices. Yeah. Uh, I, the Saru stuff is fantastic in this episode. It defines him in a really nice way of balancing the fact that he's kind of not good enough at this stuff at like command to do it, but also he is still self. He's like self aware and knows he's not an idiot. Yeah, there's an easy way you could play him too broad and make him an idiot, and they do a great job of making him not that. Yeah, no. Instead, it's like you get his antagonism towards Burnham. You know that he's making the wrong decision. You get the sense he knows he's making the wrong decision, but he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, and this is all like paid off in one of the final scenes of the episode, but we'll probably get to that later. Yep. Uh, and so the stuff. So they overuse the tardigrade, and it collapses and dehydrates to get into like its survival mode, which is what actual real tardigrades do, which is crazy. But it's I assume it doesn't look like that because that's very dramatic. But yep. I love it. <laughs> um, and then they have the plan. Well, what if we just inject the DNA into a human because humans can totally do that? And he's like, that's crazy. You can't you have to find a way to revive the tardigrade. And they're like, well, we'll get right on that. Clearly not going to go do that because that's not possible. It's uh, it's a good, great moment because they're like, oh, we've ran a we've run a scan across all compatible uh, life signs, all compatible species with this DNA. Who else can interface uh, with the with the mushrooms? And like, basically, Burnham gives a speech to Sarah, like, we found out that human beings still have fungal DNA. <laughs> well, what that that means is that all the humanoid species in the galaxy could Iconians. interface with the mushrooms because <laughs> yes, of the seeding. It's not the Iconians; it's some other race. I thought the I haven't. No, I, the Iconians are not the ones in the chase. It is just some other alien that probably predates the Iconians, even. Oh, so infinite cycles of Mass Effect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking that one episode's so dumb. It implies so much about that universe. I I really think the key of that ep- episode is just to answer the dumb fan question of why can all these species fuck? Because <laughs> they can. Yeah, because they were all seeded by an alien long, long ago. Tell you who's going to be seated by an alien. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, so the, the, the way that all goes down is um, as they are rescuing. We'll do. We'll, yeah, we'll finish up this part of the um, on yeah. discovery plots. So as they are like they, they get a lock on a locker and they beam over um, and in the last minute and they're like, OK, shit, we're in the middle of Klingon space and we're going to get very dead unless we can. Uh, go right now and uh saru just goes okay are we ready to go uh and you get a just uh, through the through the radio reply from stamets going yes we are ready so clearly has injected himself with the oh no has injected either himself or uh burnham with the dna like that is i feel the tension they are playing with at that point 
I think it was obvious that it was him. He wanted to commune with his mushrooms. He did want to commune with it. Well, no, I was really worried that Burnham would have done it because she's always been making the rash things. He's been yes. a bit more. Uh, so the reveal that it was him was very nice to me. Like, but then they do it and they get away and they're like, oh shit, his life signs are down. And Sari like runs to engineering. It's not engineering. It's a, the, I guess it yeah, is no, it's, engineering. It's, it's engineering, yes. <laughs> it is actually engineering. It's bioengineering because they've, yes. they're a spore ship. Yeah, um, like they have a warp core, but they've also converted into a weird biomedical lab. Ah, <laughs> uh, this show is good. This show yeah. has no right being as good as it is. Uh, and then he's like collapsed in uh, in the in the spore chamber, and there's a moment of, oh, is he dead? Is he dead? And obviously not. Because um, not. don't don't so easily gloss over Saru crouching down like a crazy yep. Spider Man, and a close up on his face, just looking like the weirdest alien in the entire world. It's a really uncomfortable shot, but it's very good. Doug Jones is fantastic. Yeah, the amount it of is... like expression that comes through that makeup is unreal. Yeah, like, it, it very much leans into, oh, right, Saru's like an alien, and sometimes that's kind of weird when you're confronted with it. Yeah, no, he just bends down and is like, oh, have I killed a person in through my actual command? Have I fucked up somehow? Oh, no. Yep. Uh, he hasn't. But no, he's fine. And they, they <laughs> I wouldn't and... say he's fine. He's been stabbed in the ribs multiple times. He's been stabbed in the ribs multiple times. He has changed his DNA and will eventually be revealed <laughs> to uh have done something to the universe or something weird is going on with stamets slash everything and he is the conduit we don't quite know just yet yeah so he all that happens and then he talks to burnham do you want to cover his conversation with burnham uh i was gonna do all that in the wrap-up stuff but now we can do that first yeah then we'll talk about well i want to talk about the klingon stuff last <laughs> okay yes we'll say we'll do all the discovery stuff yeah so yes and then after he uh everything is done he goes to burnham who has been confined to quarters since the uh uh the last time sari realized that she was just ignoring all his orders and undermining his command completely because he's not capable of commanding a starship holy shit um he goes in and basically says that like oh uh, she asks him if he like are you actually scared of me and he's like no i'm not scared of you i'm pissed off with you i'm jealous of you i'm annoyed of everything that happened with georgiou uh and he's still really sad about how uh the like getting passed over for the first officer role um and specifically from the perspective of like not that he wasn't able to be a first officer but she, that this person who they both loved chose her as like the surrogate child and taught her everything and now he's woefully underprepared and living in the consequences of what burnham did and he is fully aware of all these things and trying to balance them uh it's a really nice scene yep and then burnham shows that uh georgiou left her uh, the telescope at the end of the last episode and then gives it to saru it's really sweet She's like, you deserve to see the galaxy the same way she did. And then Saru deletes his, like, computer, tell me how good a captain I am program. Yeah, he doesn't need an answer. He knows what he did. Yep. Which, like, is not the wrong thing. He's just not ready to live with being a captain. Like, being a captain means making awful choices all the time, right? I mean, he knows that. Like, he wasn't... He never was aware... It was, he never was, like, unaware that the stuff he was doing was fucked up and hurting someone. Yep. He was just trying to compartmentalize in order to save as many people as possible. Yeah. Uh, and the way that he is able to like talk about that to Burnham afterwards and they are like still able to reconnect after she completely undermined his command was really nice. Yep. Uh, and he gives, as acting captain, gives her one final order, which is to save the Tardic Raid's life. Yes. 
And so it cuts to uh, Tilly and Burnham with like a weird, like Tilly's like basically like commemorating the tardigrade, like almost like a eulogy, because <laughs> they're not sure if this is going to work. And uh, they they have this awkward moment together and then they pour spores of the tardigrade and eject it into space. Yeah. And then the tardigrade like ingests all the spores and uh like balloons out and smiles through its weird prosthetics like clearly the happiest it's ever been and flies off into nothing it's uh, beautiful it warps into Sorry, the yes. mycelium space <laughs> it warps into subspace when i said it's flies amazing. up into nothing i meant warps into subspace uh the it's fact that the star trek just has like tardigrades that live through the mycelium network like flying through space faster than any starship is the best thing that they've added to star trek well yeah but it's like it's peak a thing that would just be in an episode of tng Yep, it's it's just space whale but from a different angle yep but that space whale has been a, like a mold, like three episodes, and will continue to its legacy will continue on. Because well, this episode's like the core conflict at the start is they're like, okay, if tardigrades are required in order to use the spore engine, we need a way of like manufacturing them. We need a way of turning them into assets that all ships can use because we need to win this war. Um, oh shit! Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes, and then they blast the only one they have into space. So the last remnant of the Tardic raid is inside Paul Stamets. <laughs> no, the thing, the my oh shit is realizing that they're going to give that formula to give people Tardic raid DNA to other ships now. Yes. Oh god. Yes, no. Oh god. There is only one option, and it is to turn humans into living like spore engines. The, so yeah, the last scene is uh, him, uh, Stamets, and uh, Colbert uh, brushing their teeth, getting ready for bed. They have a tender moment, brushing, and then brushing their teeth with specific, weirdly designed future Star Trek toothbrushes. I want to be clear. Not, look, if you've seen like an automatic toothbrush, they're not that weird. I've seen automatic toothbrushes. They're fairly weird. They're like advanced and slim in the way that automatic toothbrushes aren't. Bend sure. Away. Like, but they're not that crazy. That yes, for sure. But they're not that crazy. I bet you could go buy that toothbrush off like Amazon right now. I don't. I don't think it's that close. No. That 100% feels like a like designer. It's probably expensive, but I bet you could get it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, neither of us know anyone near enough about uh, toothbrushes. This is not sponsored by the toothbrush clip. Yes. Anyway, they walk away, and then there's mirror stamets or whatever that is staring back through the mirror with yep. nobody there. And nobody that's how the episode there. ends. And it's, it's fucked up. It's a fucked up ending. It's very good. There's clearly mirror. Un- I mean, they've confirmed that there is mirror universe shit going on. Uh, no one really knows how as of yet. But this might not actually be mirror universe also like that's the that, thing could, yeah it could just be a weird thing with the un- i've so i've seen people speculating that this proves that discovery itself is happening in the mirror universe which no it's not fuck off no that's up. dumb that's stupid <laughs> yes that is dumb and indeed stupid <laughs> uh but i don't yeah it's a very exciting ending it's a very unsettling ending uh and implies uh a lot for the, like the tone of the next few episodes of this it also gives like a plot that isn't dealing with war stuff that is like now that the tardic raid's gone there needs to be internal plot for the discovery without bringing klingons in in order to give the drama of the day uh and this you is gonna do it you didn't watch the preview for the next episode did you it wasn't even uh there oh okay <laughs> all right usually that it comes at the end of the episode but yes there there is a, there was a preview on the app so i've seen a preview okay. for the next episode <laughs> okay yes because we're in different countries so our means <laughs> nope. of getting these episodes are different 
So the other half, Gabriel Lorca being interrogated by Admiral Cromwell and the rest of the Admiral team. So who's the Admiral Cromwell's the lady, right? Yes. Or Cornwell, not Cromwell. Cornwell. I'm going to say, like, uh, that's not the name. That's, yeah, I Cornwell. would have remembered Admiral Sorry. Cromwell. Cornwell. Uh, she is a counselor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is like, she is a doctor. She is a psychiatrist. That has been confirmed by one of the showrunners on Twitter or After Trek. I don't know. I got it from a Star Trek fan account. I don't know where they picked it up from. I don't watch After Trek. It's embarrassingly bad. <laughs> it really is. Oh, rip. Uh, and, um, uh, there, so they, you have the conversation there about, oh, how are we going to win this war? You need to, they're pro- they are almost certainly onto discovery as a weapon unless you cool it down right now. Because he like begins by listing, uh, we saved the, the mining colony at Corvin 2, and then four other things that we haven't seen. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, they've just been busy for like a like couple weeks. A classic TV, it's been this long and here's what's happened since in the status quo moment. Yeah, apparently it's been three weeks, according it's to Memory three Alpha. Weeks. So. Yes. Uh, and they um, uh, they admonish him for that, and they're like, "Okay, we've got to sort this out." But he's too busy being kidnapped in order to bring this message to the crew. Uh, well, also, like him and Cornwell have this moment where, like, she's like, no, "You need to like chill out. Like, you you've got Michael Burnham, you've got this crazy space like black ops ship. Like, we trust you. You just need to like chill out and trust us a little bit. Like, don't go pushing everyone away in your quest to win this war." He, 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 blah, 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 blah. Uh, she also, because uh, Cornwell and um, Lorca are old friends, as this episode establishes, and she's yep. like, I don't know about this uh, Burnham thing. It's kind of weird that you're like in like dead set on using the only mutineer in Starship, uh, in Starfleet, who everyone thinks started the war. Uh, yep. And he's like, don't you tell me how to run my ship. The regulations say that I can draft anyone I damn well please. <laughs> his his southern accent is not as thick as that, but sure. <laughs> it is implied through the way he talks. Okay. Not, it's not present in the screen, but the effect of the accent comes across regardless. Yes. So yeah, he gets kidnapped. And then we're introduced to Harry Mudd, played by Rain Wilson. One of the first uh, characters they announced in when they announced cast for the show. Yep. You got Mudd. You got Sarek. Uh, Rain Wilson is really good in this episode. Yeah, he is. Uh, I, like, I feel like I always just, it's hard to shake the office, like, that casts a long shadow, but he plays that character with, like, the right kind of, like, it's much more menacing than Mud is in the original series, but he plays it, like, the same sort of, like, you see how he just showed up and acted like a buffoon on the Enterprise and Kirk bought it. Yep. Uh, but also in this much more dire situation, he he's super shady. He's super fucking shady. It's also because like because it's this show, they have to establish Mud as a ridiculous buffoon, uh, un- undercut that with him being sinister, have a small plot, and uh, then like set up some future tension with him and Lorca in the space of like four scenes while other shit is going on. It is also very busy. Also, the, he's basically a DS Nine character. He is a hundred percent a DS9 character by now. Because he shows up and he's like, "I was making a living out in this universe before you showed up with your space socialism and ruined everything for everybody by starting this stupid war." Yeah, he's because like, they're like, "Oh, do you do you support the Klingons?" And he's like, "No, I don't support the Klingons. I just know that there's more of us down here on the planets than there are of you lot in your space, and you shouldn't have been surprised when someone pushed back." Which is yep. like the tagline of Beyond as well. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the space you play in when you play in pre TOS stuff, right? Yep. Uh, it's uh, yes, it's cool. Uh, he is very good. He's so good. 
Yep. Uh, the the like gimmick of the Klingons in this episode is that, as the title says, they allow you to choose your pain, which means it's like they come in and say, choose your pain, and you will pick which one of you gets beaten. It's a way of making sure that you don't like bond too heavily with uh, your prisoners because you are complicit in uh, getting them beat up. Yep. So there's like one unnamed Starfleet officer in there that gets totally killed immediately just to show that the Klingons are not messing around. And then the next day, Lorca's just looking around and it sees uh, Ash Tyler there. And Ash Tyler says that he has been kidnapped by the Klingons there since the Battle of the Binary Stars, which they say has been seven months from now, since now, uh, which checks out. Um, uh, but then Lorca's like, I don't believe that. No one can survive Klingon torture for seven months. Something must be going on. And he's like, well... Uh, the captain's taking a shine to me and implying that he's like, uh, you know, the captain's uh, man, I guess, uh, in the way that icky things happen in space or something. I don't know. Anyway, the problem with this, Jackson, is if the captain of the ship is Laurel, she has been trapped on the sarcophagus ship with Vok for six months. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to like, was that actually Laurel or not? These so... I don't know. It, it was like I th- basically I think the same. It was. St- it was the same suit as Laurel, and Memory Alpha has it listed as Mary Shifo as Laurel. So, uh, so yeah, I, I would have to go back and check like um, directly, but I'm fairly sure that was Laurel. But if that was Laurel, that means that she's only been there at most three weeks because that means she was probably assigned there after she got off the ship with uh, uh, Cole, Cole, and everybody in last episode three weeks ago. Which means Ash Tyler is either lying or greatly mistaken about the passage of time. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I I, I don't this, have answers. Like this cannot be. This cannot be like an oversight. That's not how shows are made anymore. Um, this is clearly like going to be a plot point at some point. I googled Laurel and people. Uh, oh, I Twitter searched Laurel and uh, uh-huh. everyone is debating whether was that Laurel in that episode. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, apparently, it was definitely Laurel after Trek was talking about being Laurel, like the actor yes. was on. So that was totally Laurel. So that's probably an intentional thing. That it seems too yes. big of an oversight. So something's yeah, no, going on sure. with those two. Yep. Uh, and then Laurel gets in their escape. She gets a very "I'm going to be a major character going forward" scar on her face. <laughs> Almost as if they don't want the situation of "Is this Laurel?" Does it ever yeah. happen again? <laughs> I mean, I like I the makeup. Her, Laurel's makeup is really distinct, so I was pretty sure that was Laurel. Yeah, no, um, but the, the lighting is very dark in the Klingon ship. Yeah, uh, especially compared to um, uh, the ships that we've seen so far, like that big ship that uh, took over yep. the ship. Uh, they so the Klingons torture uh, Gabriel Lorca by basically subjecting him to bright lights because he's he is photosensitive due to injury. Um, and then this episode, in his discussions with Ash Tyler and Harry Mudd, reveals why he, how he was injured, and what happened to him before he was Captain Discovery. In which I, he was, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was, I was gonna pick up from that, but you can do it. I wanted to see if I could find the actual. So he was the captain of the USS Baron at some point, and he it's was a month into the war. Yeah, a month into the war, and uh, his ship was attacked by Klingons, and he managed to escape, but instead of allowing his ship to be captured by the Klingons and everyone taking prisoner, he blew it up himself. Yeah, like, the whole the scene is like, oh, uh, Lork is a survivor, Lork is a coward, he is like, um, 
uh, his ship came under attack from the Klingons and he was the only survivor and the ship was lost. Uh, he is he is going to be fine here and like it's basically mud going you you can't call me a shithead this is what you've done i know about this i know this about you for plot reasons also i'm mud um yep. and then he reveals like yeah you got it half right but i blew them up no they're not going to take my my crew uh and have them like executed in the streets or whatever klingons do in this version of klingons yep um he is the dark captain lork is great lork is the best yeah, but this basically, like, totally dashes anyone's, like, speculation, to me anyway, that Lorca is, like, secretly from the Mirror Universe or anything. No, he's just a guy who had a bunch of bad shit happen to him, and now he's willing to do what he thinks is necessary to finish a war. There was no there was no wells in which that was ever true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I looked it up, and the Buran is a Soviet space plane, like a shuttle that they, that was built and had one space flight in 1988. 1988? Sorry. Um, nice. So, yeah. That's all I got when I Googled it, so I guess that's what it is. It just looks like the space shuttle. Yep. Um, but yes, no. Uh, that They bond uh, Ash and um, Ash and Lorca, and uh, Lorca is able to escape with Ash. Like, uh, they um, have planned an escape silently slash off-screen. I assume a bit of both. Like, maybe they talked a little bit in downtime, but... Uh, I assumed that was mostly just, like, they both know, knew when the opportunity arose to get the hell out of there. That was my feeling as well. Like, yeah. um, they uh, they have... Um, the thing happens with, like, oh, who's going to get beat up? And they go to pick uh, Ash. And Mud's like, oh, thank God you're not actually going to pick me. Even though um, I'm the one who's clearly been, like, spying on you. Because he... Uh, Mud has survived this long by having a spying device uh, on his like weird pet in order to listen in on the prisoners, which oh, is weird. Oh, you mean you mean he has a bug on his bug? Yes, he has a bug on his bug. Shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird because you'd think that they could just have that on the ship. They wanted to listen in on the prisoners. Yeah, no, I, I, I guess I agree. <laughs> I thought that was dumb. Well, no, it is dumb. <laughs> uh and in that, it is actually a ruse, and then both Lorca and um, Ash, like, fucking murder the Klingons that are there, like, steal their guns, beat them up, shoot them, and head out towards the docking bay. Um, Ash gets shot, uh, and he is left behind by um, Lorca, who's like, I'll come back for you, I'm gonna find a ship, we're gonna get out of here, I'll come back for you. Uh, and he does, in the nick of time, like, saving uh, Ash from uh, Lorel's attack and scarring her in the process, and yep. together they fly out in a Klingon cruise and uh, like a like cruiser. You were you were just ship. you were just cruising past things I want to talk about. They have changed the way disruptors work to make them seem like the most horrible weapons ever created. Sorry, I forget that you're way more Star Trek deep lore than me. Please explain disruptors. <laughs> the Klingon disruptors. Originally, they're much like the Romulan ones where you hit someone and then they like, there's like a digital effect and they disintegrate or whatever. Now, if you shoot someone with a disruptor, they literally just turn into a cloud vapor, which means that when Lorca probably shot that Klingon that was on, um, that was on Ash before Laurel showed up, uh, Ash Tyler probably inhaled a bit of that Klingon that had been vaporized and that's fucked up. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like that's, I was like, okay, it's a bit weird. Uh, like the graphics have changed on it. Oh, it's so much worse to me that they just turn into, like, these puffs of green smoke. What do you think happened before? They're they're burnt up instantly. And that doesn't lead to smoke? (laughs) No, it's different. Like, the digital effect is like a digital effect, and this is just like, poof, they're a bunch of weird green mist, and then they dissipate. And that's, that's, I think it looks so much worse. It looks so much more violent. Yeah. 
Uh, it's it's a lot. It it is a lot. It is. The, the weapons of much more gun And, like, in a place where, like, they haven't really changed, like, warp that much. And they definitely haven't changed the transporter or how, like, uh, re- replicating things change. To change this specifically to be like that, to me, is, like, they knew that they wanted to make this look really awful. And th- they did. <laughs> oh, they definitely did. But I don't think it's, like, as big a change. Like, it, they changed the aesthetics of the show a lot. They've changed the, I, they've changed the, the first time The first time they vaporized a Klingon, I was stunned. <laughs> I'm just okay. going to say. No, I mean, yes. Yeah, that's fine. That's fair. Uh, but yes, then they get into uh, a Klingon fighter and escape from the facility. A, a Klingon, like, scout ship? It's like, it's given a name. I don't remember what it's called exactly. But it they are not like a... It's like a weird thing because it's, like it's like a weird, like, peacock ball thing. They look the strange. Conveniently has two seats. Yep. <laughs> uh, and is com- controlled by both of them. Yep. As they, this is pod racing themselves away from uh, pursuing ships of identical design. Yeah. Oh, a uh, uh, snow speeder. Yes. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and it's at this point that Sarah is like uh, looking at the screen and realizes, hang on, they don't know we're here yet because we haven't revealed ourselves, but should we attack that these these fighters that are coming in range uh and if it's like oh should we should we attack should we do this and so i was like hang on hang on that what th- that's Lorca. that they're, they're chasing they're chasing him that's clearly Lorca. that's clearly what's happened here uh and they make contact and beam him out so i thought this scene was really dumb <laughs> <laughs> with the scene of him recognizing Lorca. yes yes also why do not why does nobody know that the discovery is there a federation ship materialized in the middle of klingon space near yeah. a warship like a prison ship they haven't revealed themselves yet. They're out of range. They're right there. <laughs> you can see them is... when the when the Klingon ships are pursuing Lorca. You can see the Discovery out there in the distance. <laughs> you can't. I mean, to be fair, their captain was just shot. I'm just saying. I don't like this whole scene. Feels like a matter of convenience and not actually good. I mean, it was definitely that. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I did like Saru going, hang on, don't shoot the guys. Let's work this out now. Yep. He takes a long time to come to that conclusion. Yes. Well, it's very obvious from the start. Yes. That that, that whole scene is like, he has an explanation about, well, if you know, uh, packs when hunting will usually split into two groups, one ahead of their prey. And, one, and it's like, yes, I know. That's Lorca. I'm, I'm yeah, just saying, I'm just saying, when Deanna Troy would have outpaced you with her empathy, you're <laughs> fucking up. <laughs> oh, poor Saru. <laughs> You, you, being compared to Deanna Troy and your captain's abilities, like, get fucked, Saru. <laughs> How do you continue? How do you continue? Yep. Uh, do we have any more takes about this episode? No, this episode was fine. I'm excited. Oh, you know what I want to talk about? The robot. No, but you can talk about the robot if you want. The robot has some lines. It's very cool. I think she's an android. Okay. Or not an uh, A cyborg that is, like, alien. Like, she's not human, and her cyborgness is, like, it's, like, different. So she's not, like, obviously there can't be androids because androids are new. So she is, like, part organic. Oh, I guess that would be weird if there was just a android in Star Trek. That is a very yep. specific thing that means something. Yeah. Uh, the thing I wanted to talk about is next year, Jackson, the second Discovery book comes out. <laughs> Yes, it does. So we have both, uh, or we are going to read the um, 
final mission gamma book this month and the next month we are reading desperate hours the first discovery book which is about um uh the shenzu and the enterprise in uh under captain pike meeting and having an adventure together uh which is going to be some good fun nonsense uh early 2018 however the second discovery book comes out please tell me what the uh the summary for that is so this book is called drastic measures because all these books have terrible titles wait but wasn't the last one called desperate was it called desperate hour desperate hours and drastic measures they're doing a fucking theme that sucks oh my god i mean they've had to name a lot of these books yeah yeah no. so, packed. i'm just gonna read you the actual summary that i sent to jackson and if you've been following along with all of uh SOS since we've started, you'll understand why we both freaked out about this. Yes. All right. Hit me. It is 2246, 10 years prior to the Battle of the Binary Stars, and an aggressive contagion is ravaging the food supplies of a remote Federation colony, Tarsus IV, and the 8,000 people who call it home. Distress signals have been sent, but any meaningful assistance is weeks away. Lieutenant Commander Gabriel Lorca and a small team assigned to a Starfleet monitoring outpost are caught up in the escalating crisis and bear witness as the colony's governor, Adrian Kodos, employs an unimaginable solution in order to prevent mass starvation. While awaiting transfer to her next assignment, Commander Philippa Georgiou is tasked with leading a tar- to Tarsus IV, a small, hastily assembled group of first responders. It's hoped this advanced party will help stabilize the situation until more aid arrives, but Georgiou and her team discover that they're too late. Governor Kodos has already implemented his heinous strategy for extending the colony's besieged food stores and safeguarding the community's long-term survival. In the midst of their rescue missions, Georgiou and Lurko must now hunt for the architect of this horrific tragedy and the man whom history will one day brand Kodos the Executioner. Um, so, (laughs) this is a lot. One, it's going to have to deal with the timeline conflicts of how old Kirk is at this time, because Kirk's on that planet. Kirk knows Kirk. Kirk is 13 years old on Tarsus IV. That is not how the episode plays uh, how old Kirk was when he met Kodos. He was a child. <laughs> yep. Uh, also, that implies that Lorca can't survive until the Enterprise era, or the um, TOS era, because... Uh, isn't everyone dead but Kirk? Everyone who everyone everyone who um everyone who had seen Kodos. Okay, so maybe Locke will never see Kodos's face. Yeah, I think they specifically mean survivors of Tarsus Four, not necessarily people who just happen to be around there or responding. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like this is all like very poorly defined stuff that they could yes. fudge the lines with. But you don't make the choice to write a book about bringing just not just Lorca into, but bringing Georgiou <laughs> into the young, story of Kodos. Young Lorca and Georgiou team up with child James T. Kirk in a reference to Conscience of a King. I am so goddamn excited. Are you kidding me? You don't write that book unless you're going to go deep on the lore bullshit. There's going to be there's oh. I, I can't believe that um I'm, yes i can't believe it but like <laughs> they, they start this new star trek series which is intended to be a new era a new like oh we're gonna bring new people on it's gonna be fucking star trek game of thrones we're gonna sell our new streaming service it's gonna be fantastic and then the tie-in things is a crossover with characters of an episode that aired in the 60s that only old people and nerds have seen <laughs> yep Please look forward yes. to it. <laughs> you better believe we're reading that. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm very excited. 
uh, I I like the establishment of like Georgiou as like a character with this huge storied history that has just done everything. Uh, yeah, no, she is. She's like yeah. the embodiment of Star Trek as an idea, yeah. as like a thematic thing, and they did it yeah. in two episodes in a bunch of books now. Like the way in which like twenty years from now, Star Trek nerds will look at it as like Georgiou was Picard a century earlier. Yeah, I I love it. It's great. Yeah. She could be back. The mirror universe, Georgie. <laughs> no, let's, let's, you know what? Actually, I'm a hundred percent there for evil as fuck. Philip with Georgie. Are you yeah, kidding no, what are me? you kidding? Yeah. Like <laughs> you're like, Oh, you can't do that. But no, she's clearly evil. Yep. Uh, <laughs> let's, like I want, I want her to be like actually evil and not like mirror DS nine evil in which everyone is just like horny and evil. Uh, I mean, it's If they're going to play into some of that, you know, they are. The show's gonna get horny at some point. Oh, please don't. You know it is. Like, it's inevitable. It's fine. Nope. I've got my two pure ships on my ship, and that's all I want. Yeah, Like, it's fine. I They've handled it well so far. Oh! Oh, oh, oh! One last thing. The Elon Musk thing from last episode. <laughs> oh, God, we forgot to fucking mention the Elon Musk line. God, it sucks. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> it sucks. It is 100% like, when you look at something like Star Trek, you always have to keep in mind that while... I like to. I want to believe in my best heart that the people who are writing Star Trek are people who like believe in the future and like believe in goodness of people. Blah blah blah. They're still Hollywood writers, and they're still mostly a bunch of like middle upper class to upper class white folk writing a goddamn Star Trek show. And that means they're going to look at Elon Musk and be like, "Yeah, no, he's a good. He's a big deal. He's a good man for history." But also, Zephyrin Cochran was a fucking drunk who pissed in the woods. Like, fuck him. Uh, he had to take a leak. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> When's our first contact episode, huh? When's I don't that? know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh... Email in at Ian Being on Twitter. Let them know when if you want them to rewatch and talk about first contact. You probably don't have to rewatch that. No, wait, you haven't seen it with Destiny yet. No, yeah, I know. At least you only have to do it once. <laughs> Jackson, be the host. Do the thing the host does at this moment. Uh what are the plugs, Em? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. You can find this episode at Star Trek Podcast.space. Of course, uh, the Abnormal Mapping Podcast Network is full of an array of shows. Our video game game club once a month, Abnormal Mapping at TheBestGame.club. We are about to record our Final Fantasy X episode. It's going to be a doozy, so please do check it out. Uh, Jackson records with uh, our good friend Molly a podcast about the lore and music of Coheed and Cambria. You can find that at INeedMayo.com. It is my favorite stupid thing on the internet. <laughs> it's very dumb. You can support us and all we do at Patreon at Patreon.com slash Abnormal Mapping. There, if you subscribe at $1 a month, you will get our specific Patreon podcast, The Great Gundam Project, in which me and Jackson go through Gundam two episodes a week forever until we're done. <laughs> For No, forever. <laughs> well look we'll probably be done before gun like we'll probably run out of gundam we're gonna run out of gundam before i run out of star trek it's only because of the rate we're doing it but yes <laughs> i know but i'm just saying um and it's a good time uh, you can go on youtube youtube.com slash mapping you'll find this episode you'll find let's plays there's a lot of stuff there and i'm on twitter of course at em underscore being uh jackson yes uh, I am on Twitter on Headfalls Off. We also have we also host other podcasts. We have Fireside Friends at FiresideFriends.net, which is uh, Ryan's podcast. What they run, it's cool. That's uh, it for now. There might be new ones coming soon. It's a busy time at a normal mapping. 
uh, I guess that's it. I guess we're done. See you out there.